What's going on, everyone? Welcome back. Welcome to episode 36, finally, of WFS, The Will Ford Show. It's been a while. Last week, I did not put an episode out there. Um, and I'll explain why. I did not drop an episode because it was my birthday last weekend. And with that, plus I joined the tennis team at my the, at the college I'm attending. So I had a match that day as well, my first ever match. I... I like to play tennis with my friends and stuff, so I thought, why not try out tennis? And so I, tr- I joined the team and had my first match last Saturday. And with that, plus my birthday, it was a really long day, so I just knew I wasn't going to be able to get any kind of content out there. But I am back. And we've got a jam-packed show, so let's go ahead and jump jump into it. Let's start with some NBA So we all know about the the allegations with Mark Cuban back last season with the whole domestic violence and and harassment with women within his organization. And there was nothing really done about that other than that the employee w- that did the harassing was eventually fired. Wasn't fired up front, but was after all of this came out was eventually fired. And so just recently, Mark Cuban, Mark Cuban, is going to donate ten million dollars to women's organizations, but is not going to face any penalties or punishment for the allegations of the harassment and violence towards the female employees within his organization. And a couple things about this: number one is this isn't good for the NBA. To just tell someone, like, oh, if you donate X amount of money, then this can all be just swept under the carpet and we'll move on from it. And if, and I think we all know Mark Cuban well enough. He's a billionaire, he's got all the money in the world. If Mark, if all Mark Cuban has to do is sign a check just to get out of some trouble, I think he's going to do it 10 times out of 10. Mark Cuban should have definitely been suspended for an extended period period of time, whether it be until the All-Star break this season or a whole season. He should have been suspended some extended period of time where he cannot have any contact with the team, be in any business offices or anything like that. And so just having Cuban pay $10 million, that's nothing. Ten million is nothing to Cuban. His net worth is three point nine billion dollars or around that. And that that ten million equates to about point oh oh two five percent of his overall net worth. I did some math. Like that's hardly anything. And I know this is this comparison isn't completely accurate. Because Cuban doesn't make $3.9 billion a year. I couldn't find how much Cuban actually makes per year. 
I know he makes over $20 million around that per year with the Mavs, but with his, with his other businesses, plus he's on Shark Tank and things like that, I don't know how much he makes a year. But for the average salary for a person in America, the average salary is around $56,000. So if you were to take 0.0025% away from that, the average person is only paying $144. So $10 million to Cuban is like $144 to the average American. And I know that's not a totally accurate comparison because that's one that's a person's one-year salary versus a person's entire net worth. So it doesn't exactly correlate, but it's as close as I could get it. But this this is not a good look for the NBA and we've seen in, in other organizations owners have been removed from the team because of things like this. Jerry Richardson with the Carolina Panthers was forced to sell the team because of allegations of this sort. Donald Sterling was removed as owner of the Don of the uh, Los Angeles Clippers because of racist comments. So for this kind of situation to only result in a $10 million, essentially a $10 million fine, I mean, it's just not enough. And this is an issue that's not necessarily occurring more in America and all around the world. It's... Like, it's not like domestic violence issues and issues against women have, have suddenly just increased over the last five, five or ten years. That's not the case at all. It's happened the same rate all the time. It's just that with increased media, we start to hear about it more. It, this is just not a good look for the NBA overall in general. And it's not a good look for Cuban. And to me, Adam Silver needs to come out and sit and actually make a, a formal statement about this and explain why Cuban wasn't punished in some way, shape, or form. Like, I know he's already, he's already made subtle statements, some, some things here and there about it, but he needs to actually explain why. Mark Cuban wasn't given any sort of punishment. All right. Sticking with the NBA, I want to shift gears over, though, to another team. Uh, Jimmy Butler wants out in Minnesota. He does not want to be part of the Timberwolves anymore. Now, there was talk that it's because of his relationship with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins and how he doesn't like them being as young as they are they're not as i don't know if professional is the right word but he just doesn't like their worth ethic work ethic compared to his but jimmy butler said that this has little if anything to do with any of the players or coaches on his on the team and he has listed three destinations he would prefer to be traded to he listed 
the Clippers, the Los Angeles Clippers, the New York Knicks, and the Brooklyn Nets. And the one thing that all of these teams have in common is that none of them are capable of winning in any way, shape, or form, in any capacity. All three of these teams would not make the playoffs. They're not making the playoffs now, and with Jimmy Butler, they wouldn't be making the playoffs still. But that brings me to this, that there's two kinds of players in the NBA. There's the guy who wants to be the star, who wants to be the man, and then there's the guy that wants to win at all costs. Jimmy Butler falls under the category of the guy who wants to be the man. And to me, that's not a good thing. Wanting to be the man means you're putting yourself above the team. Like, Steph Curry was the was the quote-unquote man in Golden State before Kevin Durant arrived. But Steph Curry was okay with not being the face. He was okay with not being the man in order to bring someone in who is better than him. Like, Kevin Durant's better than Steph Curry. And Kevin... And, Steph Curry's ego was not going to let he wasn't going to let that get in the way of winning. Steph Curry doesn't care if there are players on his team that are better than him. He wants to win. It's the same thing with LeBron. I know, now LeBron did leave, but he was okay with joining other superstars and he's recruited other superstars now lebron's obviously not going to find a guy who's better than him to come join him because he's the best player in the world but he went to the heat and played with two guys that were easily top 10 in the league now there's a difference between that what steph curry and lebron do and guys like Russell Westbrook. And here's here's a here's a thing. Russell Westbrook, okay? Russell Westbrook recruited Paul George much more intensively than Kevin Durant. And the reason is Kevin Durant's better than Russell Westbrook. And Russell Westbrook doesn't want to be the guy on a team. Who is he doesn't want to be the second best player on his team. He can't handle not being the man. He can't handle being the alpha. But he recruited Paul George so heavily because he knows that he is far better than Paul George. And it allows him to still be the man. Kevin Durant was the man in OKC. And he was like, when, when, when he was a free agent, he could have went any anywhere in the league. He could have played for any team, got as much money as he could have somewhere, and been the man somewhere else. And he was like, you know what? I want to go play with those guys in Golden State. Because the one thing that Kevin Durant does best out of anything that he can do is he can shoot from anywhere. Mid-range, pull-up, off the dribble, three-pointer. He can hit from anywhere on the court. And he 
was like, I'm going to go join the two guys that might be the only two players in the league that are better than me at shooting. He went and joined Stephen Clay. And that's because he's about winning. He's not about being the man or necessarily about money. He's been taking pay cuts with the Warriors to stay with them so they can sign, re-sign their players and add pieces. Him taking a pay cut this year allowed them to bring in DeMarcus Cousins on a mid-level exception. Think about that. People think Kevin Durant was selfish for going to Golden State so he could go win a title and take the easy way out and just be all sunshine and rainbows. But he was actually putting, like, winning first, his teammates first. He was willing to sacrifice shots and offensive focus, being the focal point of an offense, in order to win. And it looks like Jimmy Butler isn't that kind of guy. Now, I do kind of understand the Clippers a little bit because it is L.A. and playing in L.A., you're likely to entice a free agent like if Jimmy Butler's traded to the Clippers, they could sign Kawhi in the offseason, and you could have Jimmy Butler and Kawhi, and that's a that's a team. So I understand that one. But as far as the Knicks and the Nets go, like you're gonna go play with D'Angelo Russell? And Porzingis is special on the Knicks, but he's coming off injury. He's probably not gonna play for uh, a little bit before, after the season starts. The Clippers is the only one that makes sense. But it just shows that Jimmy Butler is more about being the man than he is about winning. All right. I want to shift gears. I haven't talked some MLB in a while, but I just kind of want to quickly go over who have clinched some of the playoff spots. Now, not all of them have been clinched because there's still a little bit of the season left to go. Like the Boston Red Sox clinched their division like back in the beginning of September. They clinched it a couple weeks ago, so I mean... They have nothing to worry about right now. They can just rest all their guys and just be ready. But as far as the team, the other teams who have clinched a spot so far, the Yankees clinched the AL wild card. So they did not win their division, but they are going to have home field advantage in the wild card game because they they took the first wild card spot and they're going to play the Oakland Athletics. So the Oakland Athletics secured the other AL wild card spot. The Atlanta Braves clinched the NL East for the first time in 5 years. And I think they're a team to look out for they're, they're young. They've got some great young prospects and players. And Freddie Freeman is an NL MVP candidate. I really like them. 
the Houston Astros clinched their playoff spot September 21st. Actually, yesterday. A lot of these teams kind of clinched within the last few days. So the Astros are in. Obviously, the Red Sox are in. Are in. They clinched the AL East just two days ago. But they clinched a playoff spot outright September 11th. And obviously, they've been dominating this year. And then the Cleveland Indians clinched the AL Central. So those are the teams that have clinched to this point. I think the clear favorite for the World Series to win the whole thing is the Boston Red Sox. They are top to bottom, pitching, uh, fielding, hitting. They're just they're just great all around, and they have to be the favorite with the record they have put up. And then in the NL, I, I, I like the Braves. Now, I'm slightly biased because... I am I'm, I am a Braves fan, so obviously I'm a little biased. But something just feels different about them this year. They are young, so I don't know necessarily if they're gonna. They're not. I don't think they're gonna win the whole thing. But I just think they're a team that can make some noise in the playoffs this year. And then obviously, a team like the Cubs, who are winning their division currently, I don't think they've clinched yet. But obviously they are a very scary team as well, and I think they're probably the favorites in the NL. The Braves can, can still take the overall best record in the National League. They're not that far behind the Cubs. So we'll just have to see how that shakes out come the end of the regular season. But I think the clear favorites are the Astros and the Red Sox and the AL, and then the Braves and the Cubs in the NL. I really like those four teams to, to make some noise. All right, and then let's go ahead and jump to the NFL. So a trade recently happened we don't you don't really hear a lot of trades in the nfl the the nba is usually the sport where most of the trades go down but this was kind of a big one actually uh josh gordon was going to be cut by the cleveland browns they announced that last week because he suffered a hamstring injury while he was at a photo shoot i believe and that's kind of odd. I don't know what you're doing at a photo shoot where you strain your hamstring. And then they said he showed up to the practice facility looking not like himself. And so obviously that would imply that he may have relapsed on the, the drug addiction, which he has supposedly been clean for so many months or whatever. But so the Browns were going to cut him and then they 
figured out that he actually had some trade value and there were several teams that were interested in getting him. And there were teams on Gordon's radar that he would have liked to have went to. He was interested in the 49ers, the Cowboys, the Patriots, and I believe I believe there was another team in there. But I know those were his top three for sure. And he ended up narrowing it down to the Cowboys and 49ers. I have no idea what their offers may have been for Gordon. But the Patriots offered a fifth round pick for Josh Gordon and the Browns took it. And the thing I've noticed is actually that the Browns and the Patriots have traded a lot. Like in the last few months. During the offseason and then now. They, they got Danny Shelton. Defensive tackle from the Browns. They they picked up uh, the second McCourty, McCourty brother. I believe it was Jason McCourty they traded for. I never know which is which. And now the Patriots have both McCourty brothers. And, you know, they've, tra- they've had several other transactions. So this is just adding to it. Josh Gordon is now part of the New England Patriots. And I think it's kind of good for both teams in a way. It kind of rids the the Browns locker room of a cancer that has been around for such a long time. They've put up with so much that eventually they've just had enough. And the Patriots, I certainly understand why they did it. They don't have an excellent receiving core or a good one for that matter. All they have really is Chris Hogan and Gronk. So adding Josh Gordon is going to give them more of a vertical threat. But people are saying like, oh man, this is the next Randy Moss for Tom Brady. And I'm just kind of like, hold up. Just hold on for a minute. Josh Gordon is an extremely talented receiver. He is. He's... When he was playing back a few years ago before he was suspended and all that, he was as talented as any receiver in football. He could do anything with any quarterback. He made Brandon Whedon look good. And that's hard for a lot of guys to do. But the thing you got to remember is that Josh Gordon isn't going to play right away. Number one, he's injured. He's got a hamstring strain, and we don't know what his status is going to be for tomorrow or for the coming weeks. And I say tomorrow isn't Sunday. And he's got to learn an entire new playbook within a week. So he's likely not going to play for... He's not going to play properly, I should say, for a couple weeks. Now, what he might do right now, depending on his availability as far as injury, they're probably going to only script 10 plays for him. And they're probably going to give him a simple route tree where he only runs a couple routes on certain plays and maybe streaks, slants, fades, whatever it may be. And they're only going to script him 10 to 15 plays a game just to get him some reps with Brady and for him to get used to the playbook. But he's not going to become a full-time receiver until at least week five, six. 
Like, it's going to take him a while to understand that playbook. And the thing about this is, I, I, like, I don't think this is going to be long-term at all between Gordon and the Patriots. I think this is them simply taking a flyer, and I don't think long-term it's going to work out. I really don't. And if Gordon... Like, if Gordon can't take advantage of this opportunity he has with the Patriots, like, if the Patriots come calling, like, you got to show out. And if you don't... If you don't take care of what you need to take care of with the Patriots, then you're going, you are not going to find another opportunity anywhere else. I mean, you're just not. And so this is kind of do or die for Josh Gordon. Now, if he performs well as the as the season progresses this is the last year of his contract so he could end up getting money from another team or the patriots might resign him i doubt it because the patriots never resign players they always are just cycling in new players but this to me seems like it's josh gordon's last opportunity to to have a this is just his last opportunity is what I'm saying and I don't think that this is going to turn out too well for him so I just think people need to pump the brakes on the whole next Randy Moss now although the potential is there because of his ability I just don't think that's going to work out and another thing about this is why I saw this on first take Stephen A. Smith and I kind of just want to elaborate on it so I just want to give credit to him up front is why is a team signing a player like or trading for a player like Josh Gordon who has baggage who has drug issues when there's guys like Des Bryant out there who is who has he has lost a step but he's as good as most guys in the league he's better than most why are you going after Josh Gordon when you got a guy like Des Bryant out there and I know these positions obviously are, are different but there's a guy like Colin Kaepernick out there who is talented and Teams are going out and signing quarterbacks who are nowhere near as talented and as good as Kaepernick. And Eric Reed hasn't been signed yet. And and guys like that. And the point that Stephen A. Smith made, and I thought it was it just made so much sense, is that a team is going to sign a player who they can control. They want players who get in their own way because they can control them. Teams can't really control guys like a Des Bryant or Colin Kaepernick or an Eric Reed because they're so outspoken. They're talkers. They are they are animated. They're, they don't get into trouble. They're just 
sticking up for what they believe in. Now, Dez didn't partake in the whole national anthem stuff, but Dez likes to talk, is what I'm saying. But all of these guys like to talk, and those guys are not easily controlled by organizations. So teams are going to take a flyer on a, on a guy who is troubled because they know they can easily control him. And I thought that that was an excellent inference by Stephen A. Smith. It's not necessarily true. It's just an inference. It's just an, a, a speculation as to why a team would go after Gordon when a guy like Des Bryant is out there. And teams would go after lesser players because, or with guys like Kaepernick and Eric Reed out there. It's just interesting. All right. And then Thursday night, the Browns got their first win in over 600 days, 635 days, I believe it was. And it's the first win since December 24th. Christmas Eve of 2016. And obviously this is long overdue for Browns fans. Browns fans honestly are are very un, like underrated as like greatest sports fans in the world. Browns fans are so passionate. Cleveland sports is just so passionate. And they finally got that W. And it was due in large part to the play of Baker Mayfield, number one pick. Tyrod Taylor was playing poorly early. There was talk that Baker was going to be subbed in at halftime. And then lo and behold, Tyrod Taylor went down with a concussion, or what we believe is a concussion. I believe he has a concussion. And he was out, ruled out for the rest of the game. Baker Mayfield came in. And just lit the world on fire. Now granted he was playing against the Jets. Who are coming off of a short week. They played Sunday. Then they played Thursday night. But for him to just kind of just come in. Middle of the game. And just throw darts. Like that. I mean. He played exceptionally well. And there's no official announcement yet by Hugh Jackson. Who's going to start at quarterback for the Browns next week, for week four. And that's for obvious reasons. Like, you're not going to just say that after a game. You're not going to say, oh, Baker's the starter when your starting quarterback just got hurt. You know, that's something that you need to talk about with him before you release all that. But Baker Mayfield has to start. I mean, he just played so well, and Tyrod was has played very poorly through the first three games of the year. And it's not all on Tyrod these the first two weeks. Like honestly, the Browns are a kicker away from being three and zero on the season. If Zane Gonzalez can just make some field goals, they beat the Steelers, they beat the Saints, and then they beat the Jets Thursday night, and they would have they would be three and zero right now. So it's not all on Tyrod. Tyrod was good enough to win some games. But long term, Tyrod was just not 
he was not going to work for the rest of the season. I mean, Tyrod just looked scared to throw the ball. It was a bunch of under, underneath stuff, and he was missing it all. I believe when he got hurt, he was like 4 for 18 for like 20 yards. He, he was not performing like a quarterback should. And for that reason, and for his performances in week one and two, I think you have to put in Baker Mayfield. He instantly adds a spark. He's not afraid to throw the ball down the field and throw strikes. And he's got this this quality about him where he's able to just... Like, Tyrod Taylor is mobile, but Baker Mayfield has this ability to just sense pressure and just make magic happen with his feet. It's kind of like guys like Russell Wilson or Tony Romo when he was playing. Guys like that who could just sense pressure and just have the pocket presence to be able to step up, move around, make magic happen, and find guys open down the field. And I think this is just the beginning for the Browns. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs this year. I don't, But I think they're going to win a handful of games this year. And their defense, my God, it's the best defense in the league right now as far as turnover differential. Like, they have turned the ball over. They've turned teams over more than any other team in the league to this point. They are the best team, best defensive team in the league at forcing turnovers. But obviously super excited for the Browns, getting their first win. And maybe, hopefully, in a few years, they won't be the laughing stock of the, of the league anymore. All right, but with that, I want to get into my record predictions for week three. I did tweet on Thursday my prediction for the Thursday night game between the Jets and the Browns, and I said the Browns, so I got that win already. And for the year, well, first, let me say this. Last week, I did not give a prediction out for the Ravens versus Bengals game, but I do admit I would have picked the Ravens to win the game. I said that to people that day when they asked who I thought was going to win. Or I, I said I was going to pick the Ravens to win that game, and I was wrong. The Bengals did win, so I gave myself an L on that one. And then for my pick predictions for last week as well, I forgot to... Like I tweeted all my predictions for week two, and I forgot to put the Raiders versus Broncos in there. And you guys know I am very low on the on the Raiders. You guys know I think they're a dumpster fire. And you guys know I would have picked the Broncos to win that game, and they did. So I'm giving myself the W on that one. I don't care. Oh, you can't do that, Will. You did. You're just sitting there because they won. No, I would have picked the Broncos. Trust me. Believe me, I would have picked them. So my record on the year is 17-13-2. And And who would have thought two ties through two weeks of the NFL season? But that's that's another thing. I want to talk about that for a minute. There shouldn't be ties in the NFL. You should just play until there's a winner. 
Like, and especially in division games. Both ties we've had this year are in the division. The Ravens, or not the Ravens, the Browns and the Steelers, AFC North, and then the Vikings and the Packers and the NFC North. And having a tie in the division, that just screws things up come playoff time. It makes things way more complicated than it needs to be. And I just think you need to get rid of being able to tie a football game. Like, just play it out. Gosh, the Titans and the Dolphins in week one, they had a game that lasted like seven hours because of delays. So if you're willing to let that go on for that long, granted the game wasn't finished, but if you're going to have a game that long, you might as well just play until you have a winner. And honestly, I think you need I think you need to change the format for overtime. It would make it go by a lot quicker. You just need to go back to you just need to do the college football format. Put the ball on the 25-yard line and each team will get a possession. If you score a touchdown, the other team still has a chance to match you. And then you just keep doing that until you have a winner. It would make it so much simpler and would make it so much quicker and it would eliminate the problem of of having ties like i just think a tie is just so anticlimactic like you gotta you gotta have a winner all right so now to my week three predictions i am 17 13 and 2 like i said And I think that's pretty good. I'm kind of proud of myself for that to this point. Now, I'm probably going to like go below 500 now since I said that. Before the week three predictions, Browns and Jets, I already said Browns. I already got that one. For the Bengals versus the Panthers, this is kind of a tough one. This might be the toughest, one of the toughest games this week to, to give a prediction on. I'm going to go with the Bengals. I think the Bengals have been playing really well. And honestly, I think they could actually be really good this year and maybe even win their division. Because the Steelers aren't themselves right now. And right now that division's kind of wide open. Like the Steelers are actually last in their division right now. You have the Bengals at 2-0, the Ravens at 1-1, the Browns at 1-1-1, and then you have... The Steelers at 0-1-1, which is basically 0-2 if you think about it. But I just think the Bengals have been playing really well. Cam, you never know what you're going to get. I'm going to go with the Bengals. The Broncos versus the Ravens. Broncos have been a surprise team this year. Now, they always have a a, a top defense. Their pass rush is one of the best in the league with Vaughn Miller and Nick Chubb. Or not Nick Chubb, sorry, Bradley Chubb. And then offensively, Case Keenum has been doing enough. He hasn't played particularly well in the first two weeks. But he's doing enough on offense to keep him in games and win them. So I'm going to take the Broncos over the Ravens in this one. I really do like the Broncos. Saints versus the Falcons. This is a critical division matchup. 
Saints have kind of sputtered out of the gate. Got beat by the Buccaneers. And then barely beat the Browns. They should have lost to the Browns, but if the Browns didn't have a kicker then. So they got away with that one. So since they've been sputtering out of the gate, I like the Falcons. The Falcons finally found their footing last week against the Panthers. I really like them. The Jaguars versus the Titans. I'm going to go with the Jags. They beat the best organization in football, the, the Patriots, last week. The Titans are without Mariota. They're playing against Blaine Gabbert. And they're without Delaney Walker as well and Taylor Lewan. So Titans undermanned. Give me the Jags. And it's in Jacksonville. So Texans versus the Giants. Texans. Texans are 0 and 2, and the Giants are 0 and 2. But like the Giants are so tough to watch. Their offensive line is improved, but it's not even close to, to well oiled. Eli Manning is old. And really all they have like offensively is Saquon Barkley, if you think about it. Odell has not been able to get going. That offensive line has not given Eli any time to throw down the field to Odell Beckham, and he's had to revert to checking down to Saquon Barkley. Against the Cowboys, Saquon Barkley had 14 catches. And that's a franchise record for the Giants. Odell's highest catch total was 11. And Odell's great. But for a running back to catch the ball 14 times, come on. Give me the give me the Texans. Texans are going to bounce back. Deshaun Watson's finally going to hit his groove after coming off injury. The Chiefs versus the 49ers. Give me the Chiefs all day long. Pat Mahomes, 10 touchdowns, no picks. Playing out of his mind with that offense. I really like them. And Jimmy Garoppolo has kind of struggled. He's got the worst touchdown to Interception ratio in the league right now, I believe. And they don't have a great defense, so I look for them to get blown out by the Chiefs. Colts versus Eagles. Now, this is a big game because Carson Wentz is returning from injury. And since Carson Wentz is returning, he's he's coming off the ACL. I'm not sure how he is going to react when he's out there, I, he, he might be hesitant to make some throws and to really turn on that knee to throw the ball down the field. You're just going to have to see how he takes the first hit in order to tell where he's at physically. And obviously he's going to have some rust not playing for a while. So I think Carson Wentz is going to struggle a little bit out of the gate, maybe for a couple weeks. So I'm going to take the Colts in this one. Packers versus the Redskins. Big concern for me is Aaron Rodgers' knee. He feels that there's a chance it could get worse throughout the season. And that's that doesn't bode well for the Packers at all if they're going to make the playoffs. But the Redskins, I just don't think they're as talented as the Packers. So as long as Aaron Rodgers is out on the field... It's, it's really tough to beat them. The Vikings couldn't even beat them last week. They they don't even have a kicker. 
Daniel Carlson missed so many field goals for them. They should have won the game. And they cut him and went out and signed Dan Bailey. So that's a big improvement at kicker if Dan Bailey can find his groove again. And if the Vikings had a kicker, they'd be 2-0, and I'd be one win better on my predictions. <laughs> but like I said, anytime Aaron Rodgers is on the field, it's very tough to beat the Packers, so I'm going to go with the Packers. Vikings versus the Bills. Give me the Vikings. We're not even going to talk about that. The Bills are awful. Raiders versus the Dolphins. Now, you guys know how much I don't like the Raiders. And Tannehill has been playing pretty well for the Dolphins. I'm going to go with the Dolphins. Oh, and I want to touch on that real quick. The the Raiders, without Khalil Mack, obviously that hurts them. But John Gruden... John Gruden just keeps kind of making this situation worse because reporters keep asking him about, oh, how hard is it to find a pass rusher in this league and the trade with Khalil Mack and stuff. And he just keeps over-talking and over-explaining when you're, as a coach, you're not supposed to give anything away, really. He keeps saying, like, oh, yeah, it's really hard to – to find a great pass rusher in this league. It's really hard to find a good pass rusher in this league. And in general, it's just hard to find a pass rusher. Then why did you get rid of Khalil Mack? Come on, Gruden. Like, that's a dumb answer. Like, why did you get rid of him if you know it's hard to find one? I mean, I know you got two first-round picks out of it, but there's no guarantee that you're going to find a player like Khalil Mack in these next two drafts. Now, maybe if you're bad enough, you'll land Nick Bosa first pick overall this year. And that would be really good. But there's no guarantee that he's going to be great. There's no guarantee any player is going to be great when they come into the NFL. But give me the Dolphins over the Raiders for week three. Chargers versus the Rams. Now, this one might be the hardest game to call. The Rams are loaded at every position. They Their only weakness is that they don't really have stellar linebackers. But that's it. As far as the Chargers go, I mean, they've been really good as well, and they don't really have that much of a weakness in any particular position. This one's a really tough game to call, but with how good the Rams' defense is, I'm going to go with the Rams in this one. The Cowboys versus the Seahawks. Russell Wilson has no time in the pocket, man. No time to throw the ball. As soon as he catches it, he's already moving out of the pocket. And with the Cowboys' pass rush as good as it is, it's one of the top pass rushes in the league. And it's one of the top defenses in the league, in my opinion. Even though it's in Seattle, you got the 12th man, I just think the Cowboys defense is going to be the major factor in getting them a win. The Bears versus the Cardinals. The Cardinals are awful. Their offense, they've put up six points in two weeks of football. They're not utilizing David Johnson like they should. 
Sam Bradford needs to be benched for Josh Rosen immediately, and they've got to somehow make David Johnson the focal point of the offense because they have failed to do so through two weeks. Bears defense with Khalil Mack is going to cause a ton of problems. And Trubisky against that defense, I like their chances. Jordan Howard, that offensive line, Bears all the way. Patriots versus the Lions. I think this is an easy one. I'm going to go with the Patriots. Matt Patricia has lost that team. He has, he has lost command of that locker room in Detroit. And they're, they're just not that good of a team. Matt Stafford is really the only player who is great on their team. And Darius Slay on, def- on the defensive side of the ball. But gosh, Matt Stafford hasn't even been playing well. He threw five p- picks in week one. So I'm going to go with the Patriots. And a little fun fact. Bill Belichick has an overall win percentage of 77%. But that drops to 70% when he faces uh, former former coaches who were on his team. And Matt Patricia was his defensive coordinator last year. His win percentage drops to 70% against his uh, against coaches who were on his staff previously. If you think about it, 77 to 70, that's not that big of a difference. 70% chance to win against someone who used to be on your staff I think is really good. So I don't think that's much of a stat. That's just Bill Belichick and... and the only reason why that percentage is going to drop is because that coach knows the Patriots system. It's the only reason why that percentage drops. But give me the Patriots in that one. And then finally, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And depending on if this game is in Pittsburgh, if this is prime, I'm pretty sure this is prime time. It is prime time Monday Night Football. In in Tampa Bay, so it's not it's on the road. If this was at home, I would go with the Steelers because Big Ben is lights out at home prime time. But since this is in in Tampa Bay, Ryan Fitzpatrick is on fire right now. Excuse me, Ryan Fitzmagic is on fire right now. I gotta go with the Buccaneers in this one. And. After this week, Jameis Winston will be eligible to return from his suspension. And if Ryan Fitzpatrick is still playing well and they win Monday night, you got to keep rolling with Ryan Fitzpatrick, man. You got to ride the hot hand. You have to ride the hot hand. Like, it's not like Jameis Winston is losing his job to injury, which can happen. Tony Romo lost his job to injury to Dak Prescott. And that's a whole other topic for another day that I I, I want to talk about. Uh, but you can lose your job due to suspension. It's about you getting in your own way and costing yourself the job. It's not, you know, just some terrible chance that you lose your job due to injury. 
I just think the, the, the Bucks got to roll with Fitzpatrick until he proves he can't do it anymore. Because he, Fitzpatrick goes through these spells where he's on fire for multiple weeks at a time, and then he hits, like, lows. And when I say low, I mean lows. He's awful. So I think the Bucks have just got to continue to ride Fitz magic until... Until other until proven otherwise that they should go back to Jameis. So that rounds out the record predictions for week three of the NFL season. Certainly excited to watch tomorrow. Got a lot of homework to do for college though, man. College sucks. Um, and with tennis and everything that's going on, yikes. You know, um, but I am really excited though because I joined I joined what is called Orbit Media at our college. I go to Muskingum University. It's in New Concord, Ohio. If you guys don't know, but I want to get into the radio and, and stuff down there, obviously. And I'm gonna start training over the next few months in in the studio down there, and so maybe. You guys might, if you guys are in the, if if you guys are in that area, you might be able to pick up the station and, you know, give it a listen. Now, obviously, I'm not going to be able to have this show on the air for a whole hour or so. So I'm not going to be continuously talking about sports because I have to give, you know, general news updates, weather and all that jazz, but I am allowed in points, certain points throughout each hour to talk about whatever I want to talk about within the rules and regulations. So you might catch little snippets of the of the Will Ford show on on the uh, on WCMO. I'm sorry, WMCO. My fault. Got that backwards. But yeah, just stick around for that, and obviously I would give you guys updates, and you can you can even search the radio station, so you don't even have to be in the area to listen. You can search it on the web. But yeah, I just wanted to share that with you guys. So yeah, that's the show for this week, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Sorry it's a week late, but obviously I hope you can understand. Uh, looking forward to a great week of football. Very excited to watch the game tomorrow. Go Cowboys. Yay. Uh, guys, make sure you follow the show on Twitter at The Will Ford Show. Uh, rate and review the show on iTunes. Like and comment on SoundCloud. Thank you for listening this week, guys. It's WFS.